Maintenant, coquin J'ai entendu 6 Qui offre 6 Quel rhum Garde ton rhum C'est de l'or que je veux Et toi, la bêcheuse, amène ton pavillon. Prends la peine de l'or. Je suis Welcome to episode four of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I am Andrew Williamson and I am joined by Simon West. Hello again. Each magical Disneyland Paris podcast will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode will focus on Pirates of the Caribbean, past, present and future. We also hand over to you, the listener, and look at your views and opinions. Well, here we are again, Simon. Yeah, it's good to be back and we've got another big attraction this time, Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a fan favourite. It's a legendary attraction, isn't it? It certainly is. Just getting straight into it, it's one of the last, well, it is the last attraction that Walt Disney himself had any say on. That just shows you how big of an attraction it actually is for Disney. Well, the Californian one, we should say. Not, yeah, the not the Parisian not, one. Not the Paris one, but yeah, the, the, the whole format and the uh, idea, uh, which is copied through all the Disney parks. Obviously, with some slight alteration due to the location and obviously technology moving on. Um, but yeah, the basis of the Disneyland Paris Pirates of the Caribbean um, holds a lot of its ideas from the one that Walt Disney had a go at as well. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, uh, we'll go on to discuss the different features that Paris has unique. Yes, indeed. There's quite a few. Um, there's also some contentious uh, issues regarding what is, new, is unique with the Paris version. Um, and we'll get on to those as we move through the podcast. So like I said, the Disneyland, Par- well, the Disneyland California version was the last attraction Walt Disney actually participated on designing. Um, and it actually was three months after his death that it actually opened. So he was so close to seeing it come through fruition. Linking back to what we mentioned about Phantom Manor uh, in our last episode... I mentioned that I would like to have had the chance to have walked, like walk around um, Phantom Manor, but the original idea for Pirates of the Caribbean was that it was going to be like a walk-through attraction, like a, a wax museum type uh, attraction. It's difficult to imagine Pirates of the Caribbean without the boat ride, isn't it? It is. Um, so obviously, you think of pirates, sea, boat. water, boat. Yes. Yeah, so yep. I don't know how. Well, I, well, I'm glad they did. They did go with the boat idea, but. I wonder what was stopping them from using the what just the walkthrough. I think, as we said in the last podcast, it sort of it stops the pace and the storytelling. It makes it a lot more difficult. But you know, actually, Paris Disneyland, the park at least, has some very good walkthroughs in it. It does. So I don't feel too hard done by. I believe uh, from my research and from watching loads of videos on YouTube, it, the idea for like a, a, a boat ride through the attraction rather than a walkthrough was because of the uh, success of It's a Small World. So a few years before Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland, California actually opened, It's a Small World was there and they decided to use the same concept because it was so popular with the, uh, the, the visitors of the parks at the time. And funnily enough, it's still very popular today. It definitely 40 is. 40 years on. It definitely is. Obviously, before doing the research, before I became such a big Disneyland Paris fan, I was always amazed at how short the queue time was for this attraction. But it's not until you look into the details of 
how many boats they have, how many people that can get through the ride in so many minutes. It's like you, it is still a popular ride, and if it wasn't because of the technology they've used and the planning they've put into it, then it probably still would have had a really, really long queue time. Mind you, it has a whopping great queuing system, doesn't it? It does, and, and it probably has a short queue because it just takes so long to walk through it. I mean, it's a glorious queuing system, don't get me wrong, but wow, it's huge. They're prepared for some long queues there. But I've never had to. You can contact us if I'm wrong on this, but I've, I've personally, I've never seen myself queuing in the in the long queue area for more than five minutes. I know it no. does get to about, and I think we've got some information later on from DLRP Roundup, and he's got the uh, weight stats. Um, got some fantastic stats coming later on from him. But then we'll, so we'll discuss that later on. So yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of tells you what it is in the, in the title, doesn't it? The attraction is about the pirates on the Caribbean Sea. It's, it's hard as well, especially for the newer guests to the parks, because uh, obviously there's a lot, there's a very successful franchise uh, related to the, to the attraction. And I'm sure... Uh, most most guests will know that the attraction came first, and that the uh, the films and the franchise was based on the attraction. But um, I'm, I'm sure the younger guests probably just think of Pirates of the Caribbean the films uh, before they even think of the attraction. So it's, it's it's quite good that they've built up such a big franchise from an original attraction. Yeah, mind you, the uh, certainly the sort of second and third films and the fourth as well. There's four now. I always forget that. They don't necessarily stick too much to the story that we have in Paris, so it's nice that there's a definite distinction between the two. Obviously, as they go on through franchises, they do kind of... They'll take the original story and the basis of it, and they'll open it up and blow it apart so much that, really, if you were looking at it again, it probably doesn't link very much at all to any of the attractions, apart from some of the main parts and the the original first film. But it's a really good film, actually, and we'll probably get to discuss that later on. (laughs) Um, <laughs> this is going to turn into a film review as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll put we'll put it in the um, the title. <laughs> um, so yeah, it opened on the opening day of the park on the twelfth of April, nineteen ninety two. Duration is a good; it's a healthy ten minute long attraction duration, which is good because it does move. It's not really a fast ride, so it does move quite slowly through, so you get a chance to see all the different scenes. Um, and we'll go through some of those scenes in a minute. I mean, we're talking about capacity before. There's 22 guests per boat, and there's 40 boats. Now, I wasn't that prepared, and I should have worked that out. Come on. I was going to ask you what 22 times 40 is. <laughs> you can tell me that answer. Come on. Oh, I, I'll need to find a calculator for that. Give me, give me 24 hours. Give me 24 hours. I'll, I'll work it out for you while I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, it features... Now, we all know, all, all the people probably listening to this podcast will know the uh, audio animatronics, but there's 119, and it says on the, the description on the Disneyland Paris website, 119 state-of-the-art audio animatronic characters, including 55 animals and 12 skeletons. Another one of those facts where you kind of think, oh, has somebody spent the time counting every single <laughs> one, or is, is it on a plan somewhere? I, I would hope it's on a plan, but mind you, I'm sure someone has counted it. <laughs> 880 880 that's on the attraction in, in theory time, yes you it? can have 880 people on it at one given time if every boat was in action and every boat and was every full every boat was full yeah um, again that just shows you why the uh, the queue times aren't as high as some other rides when they've got a lower capacity rate so that's really good that oh across this coaster Sorry, well, yeah. well, well, well. I haven't actually ridden that attraction yet because of the queue. So once we, <laughs> once, once I finally brave queuing for an hour or two hours, we might possibly uh, 
bring that as one of the uh, attractions and one of the podcast episodes in the future. One of these uh, days. Hopefully in March I'll uh, be patient enough to try it out this time. The attraction also features two dueling sword fighters or two dueling pirates. Um, Shu will mention these two guys later on as well. But this is unique to the Paris version of the attraction. It also says here on my notes that it's the also, it's the advanced, most advanced figure or the, both of them are the most advanced figures that they actually created uh, when the attraction opened, uh, audio animatronic wise. So should we go on to the scenes? I think that sounds like a good idea, definitely. <laughs> sounds good to me. There's about five, but we call the main scenes. Uh, obviously there's little bits as, you, as you're walking, well, walking around, as you're floating around on the boat, navigating up and down and all sorts of windy roads. Roads, what am I talking about? Windy, uh, what would you call it, a river, a sea? I'm not sure, because at some point you managed to float through a fort. I don't know what we're floating on, but we're floating on something. (laughs) It's something. It's Um, magic. Okay, right, let's, shall we kick off then with the, what I would call the first scene, which is the Blue Lagoon scene. Yes. I think I've mentioned this in the first podcast. Did you mention this was your one of your favourite places to eat, or am I making that up? Oh, it is. Oh, you're not making that up. That's the truth. Good. That means I've listened to our own podcast. That was good. (laughs) Um, And I mentioned the fact that I'm very fussy eater, and I've never actually... uh, managed to eat in the restaurant itself oh it's got some tasty caribbean grub in it but again hopefully possibly in march i might as i'm growing up now i might have a go and uh, taste some of the nice cuisine that's on offer what's it like eating there in the dark though because it has been set like it's in the night time and you've got the flickering lights of the uh, the caribbean so what is what's the atmosphere like when you're eating in the restaurant oh it's gorgeous it's a fantastic atmosphere you don't see much of the boats actually they're sort of the first large bend in the attraction that you sort of see the boats going but they you don't feel like you're actually eating in a show building by any means as for the darkness yeah sometimes you do sort of think can i actually see what i'm eating in here but (laughs) nonetheless you know you've got all the sort of the flickering torches you've got the noise the thunder of uh, sort of the ambient weather you've got palm trees swaying it's gorgeous it's fantastic oh and the food is very tasty too as long as you find your mouth, it's fine. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just like spilling Caribbean chicken all over yourself. Yeah, well, you don't want that, do you? That would be embarrassing. So once we've been to the uh, Blue Lagoon restaurant, where are we at next? So we head through the, uh, I suppose they're swamps, aren't they? Mangroves, perhaps. Yeah, yeah that's, um, that's a good way to describe them. And then you end up in some horrible shipwrecks with some... Lovely skeletons and treasure sat around. You head through those and then you find yourself heading up a... And I didn't realise this until doing the research. You head up a cargo lift inside a fort. I didn't realise it was a cargo lift. I'll be honest, I've always wondered why the hell we're getting pulled up anywhere. But yes, it's a cargo lift, apparently. Yeah, and I'm looking at the um, sketch to reality um, by Alan Latere. Uh, there's a few, well, there's actually like four or five, probably even more than that, really good pages full of information. Mainly pictures, but again, the say a picture uh, paints a thousand words. But yeah, there's a really good picture. Well, it's actually an illustration of the first, uh, after the first bend, and it is the first lift. How does it describe it? Let me just see. It just says the winch that pulls up the boat and takes us back in time. So what's happening, it's, like, it's all wooden, and there's cargo nets, and there's planks of wood, and it, it does look like, like you are saying, now you're going up a cargo lift. And again, I do believe there's some bat eyes as well, if you look up in the darkness. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that one as well. I haven't actually seen those, I don't think. But like it says in the description there, it's taking us back in time. And I'm this sure- is an interesting one. I've not heard these sort of time elements before. Uh, we've got some of the comments also mention the idea of going into the future or something when you do the final drop into yeah. the grotto at the end. Interesting. I've not 
ever thought of that myself when I've been on the ride. See, going back to Phantom Manor last, uh, our last episode, the idea that they've put in so much thought into the storyline that even general riders, even myself, because even though it's a really good attraction and it's probably one of my favourites, and I think I've said in the past it probably is my favourite and I keep changing my mind all the time, I still haven't rode the attraction so many times that I could tell you every single thing, basically describe the story word for word. But like I said, I love the fact that you can. there's always different elements to it, so we've got this idea of going into the past, time travelling, and then coming back and going into the future later on. It just, just sets your mind alight, doesn't it, with all the ideas that they can come up with. Oh, it certainly does. It's great also that everyone can interpret the story in their own way. Yeah, same as Phantom Manor, same as a lot of other attractions in the Disney world. What's next then, once we've went through the cargo lift where do we end up so we end up inside the fort that's clearly being besieged by pirates there's uh, there's fire there's sails there's wind howling around and i believe what happens next is there's a crack in the side of the fort and yep. there's water gushing through it and you head straight down there yeah straight into the crack that's appeared yes um, into the midst of a i believe a galleon attacking the fort it's a 12 gun galleon wow I believe. If my uh, facts are correct. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so no wonder there's a big hole if there's a 12-gun galleon on the <laughs> That's packing some firepower. <laughs> Again, you've got so many different effects going on here. It's amazing that you don't, for one minute, believe that you are, well, think you are in a really big show building. Cause you've I'd got... actually like to... I was, I was thinking about this when I was doing the research. I'd love to know how big the show building actually is, because I'm sure it's colossal. But when you're in there, it feels a lot bigger than it is. So there must be an awful lot of false perspective. Oh, well, again, uh, false perspective, I yeah. mean, being used. Cafe Fantasia on Twitter sent us um, a really long email. Um, he didn't have much opinion on the attraction, but he did send us quite a lot of facts. Um, and he said he was he highly recommended to our listeners a book that was published in 2005 by Jason Surreal called Pirates of the Caribbean from the Magic Kingdom to the Movies. From that book, he sent us three little snippets of information, and the first one links him with what you've just said there, basically. It says, did you know Pirates of the Caribbean and Disneyland Paris is the only version with the two drops, which we've already mentioned. The Imagineers were keen to bring back the frills to this fourth version of the attraction, but because of Paris's high water table, they couldn't dig a huge basement, which is what they did in California. So instead, they built up, hence the reason why we've got such a tall shore building. Uh, and the elaborate fortress facade that hides the building. So again, we've got every attraction, every attraction in the different Disneyland parks has a different kind of show building, and the reason we've got a really big castle, basically because they had to hide this massive show building because they couldn't dig down, they had to keep it all above ground. That's very interesting. I hadn't heard that one before. What I'd heard uh, was that they wanted to... uh put the drops in different places in the Parisian version to help tell the story better uh, because obviously in Paris it was a opening day attraction so they could sort of build the park so to speak around the attraction whereas in I think in Florida and California it came later and they had I think this was probably to do with California they already had the Disneyland railway in the way so they had to go immediately down into a drop to go underneath the railway whereas of course in our one they could just move the railway. They could yep. build the railway where they liked. And, of course, it does go through the Pirate's Grotto at the end, if you've ever seen that. <laughs> um, but they meant that they could put the drops in strategic places where they actually properly fit with the story. Yeah, and I feel, again, if you listen to what people are saying on forums and on feedback, and well, fan, a lot of them are fans of uh, Walt Disney World in America. They are saying that obviously our the Disneyland Paris version makes a lot more sense because the lifts are in the the correct place, if so to speak, like you were just mentioning there. So I feel it's probably a, it says here that they wanted 
they wanted to accommodate the lifts in the places they wanted. They didn't just want to be um, like forced to put them in a certain place like you've just mentioned. So it kind of does link together that they had to build above the ground because they wanted it in a certain place and the water table wouldn't let them. Well, it would let them, but they would have flooded the ride. Which isn't too <laughs> bad if it's a water-based attraction, I suppose, but <laughs> you want to... Con- Slightly dangerous. You want to control the water, I suppose. So um, once we went through the crack... Where do we go? So we then head round past this 12-gun galleon besieging the fort, and we nearly get hit by flying cannonballs, and occasionally you see people get wet from the uh, explosions in the water. That's very entertaining. And then we end up in the town square scene, sailing straight past a crowded marketplace of rambunctious scallywags, gleefully bidding in an auction for a bride, yep, is it, what it says here on it, the notes. It does which I think is a lovely, uh, lovely description. That's why I copied it down, because I couldn't have wrote that any better myself. It's glorious, isn't it? Same with the fort scene, but Town Square scene's full of animatronics, isn't it? Audio animatronics. Absolutely um, packed with them. Which is why you need to ride this attraction definitely at least once a day on your visit. So if you're there four or five days, if you have, if you have the chance to ride it four or five times, then you're going to see something different every Your head's time. turning left to right, like watching tennis. It's sort of, you want to <laughs> see what's over here, you want to see what's over there. There's it a is, lot to take in. It is. So we've got, uh, like it says there, we've got the marketplace full of all the scallywags. So we've got the auction of the bride as well. The soundtrack, we must include that in this scene, I think. We've got so many things going on. We've got the soundtracks for the auction. We've got soundtracks for other animatronics going off. We've got the music in the background. There's still gunfire we can hear from the scene behind us. There's so much happening. There is. Actually, just let's take a moment, I suppose, to think about the musical score that we have for Pirates of the Caribbean. Any Disney attraction isn't right without some fantastic bit of music, and oh, it's a real classic. Yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. It is. I remember how old was I now. I think it was probably five or six, so it talked a long time ago now. I had this Disney music sing-along video, and there were certain songs from different themes, from films, but there was, the one for Pirates of the Caribbean, Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, stood out for me all the time. Now, I didn't go to Disneyland Paris, as you know, until about 2003, 2004. But this video had a version of the song from the California uh, attraction. So they were singing the song. There was different pirates. There was live-action pirates. There was also um, scenes from the uh, attraction at California. And that's like, always sticks in my head for some reason. And I remember there was also on that video, there is a video where it's Walt Disney and he's explaining the attraction. He's got a, a video walkthrough and he's got all the animatronics and all the people creating them, all the Imagineers working on it. And it just brings back so many good memories of my childhood. And it, So I, even before I knew about Disneyland, really, I was into it because of this video and it's just the song. And then on the attraction reminds me of my childhood from that. So it's amazing how we can link back just from one song and it can evoke so many different emotions and memories and I'm sure with every, everybody else who's been on the attraction either in America or in Paris or in uh, Tokyo as well they must have different feelings from hearing that music as well I should think so does anyone actually know the words to most of the song because I get yo-ho yo-ho or pirate's life for me but the rest of it I'm clueless about we pillage we something we plunder and something drink up <laughs> <laughs> The odd word here and there. I'm sure uh, that'll be a challenge. I'm, what, what I might ask you to do is practice the words for next time and we'll have a sing-along. Actually, I tell you what, we like having a challenge in every podcast. There we are. That can be this podcast's challenge. Who can find for us the actual words of the song and preferably sing it? 
Yeah, if I if I thought on, I could have probably researched them myself, but we're being lazy, so somebody else can do it for us. Perfect. <laughs> so what else happens in the town square area, then, apart from the auction? What else can you remember happening? There's a fun one of people chasing each other around pillars. It's yeah, in and strange. out, in and out of kind of a room, isn't it? In and rooms, then, yeah. On the people, balcony. Yeah, throwing open the uh, windows of buildings and screaming and shooting each other with guns. Is this There's a lot of rum lying around. I might be jumping the gun a bit here, but is this where the uh, mayor's getting dunked in the, uh, the fountain or the uh, well? Oh, I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, that's a good one. And um, the good thing, again, if you if there's a bit of a pile-up in the boats um, and you in, you are in that scene, again, if you just it's not just your eyes that need to pinpoint different scenes or different things that happen, it's also your ears, because if you direct your hearing, if you can, it's magic how your brain works, but if you can <laughs> direct it at the well when the mayor's being dunked, so good how you can hear the like the effect of like the water blah, 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 of him getting dunked and then coming back out and I, just again I would love to speak to the person whose job it was because I'm sure one person had the job for the sound um, just to say well how did you come up with all these different sounds and what systems actually in place playing all the different tracks I would assume the uh, speech went like this right I'm going to put your head in some water and you're going to try and breathe. <laughs> and I'm going to record it. Nobody was harmed in the making of Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, <laughs> well, we hope not. Well, we hope not. Yeah, I've said that now. Moving on, our boats moved on out of the town square. I'm sure we'll come back to all these scenes later on. It's just a quick tour. Where do we end up next? We end up, well, I believe we uh, keep going into the uh, the burning part of the city. It is. So that this is where they're singing the song, isn't it? Again, of jubilation as the seaside city is engulfed in flames. It's great, isn't it? You get to the burning part and then they start singing. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Give me some more rum, I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> Fun fact for uh, while we're at this part. It said that uh, when they were originally getting around to properly testing the ride, they'd put everything in place. Uh, they were showing around something like the French fire department and other people, and they switched on all the effects, and they got to this scene, and the fire department said, oh, crikey, you know, your show's on fire, we've got to put this out. And they said, no, 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 this is, this is just our fire effect, don't worry about it, it's not actually on fire. <laughs> because uh, they they thought the fire effect looked so real. I remember that now. Yeah, there's um, it was a really interesting video on YouTube. If I remember the link, I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, it must be something when like in 1992 they had the um, obviously it's not that long ago really compared to some of the parks that Disney uh, operate. But to see that the fire effect and the effects that they were putting in that scene kind of convinced the fire department that it was a real fire. Now, first of all, it makes me feel that Disneyland done a really good job, but secondly, it kind of doesn't hold me in much uh, hope for the fire department in France, to be honest. <laughs> it's just, they're just cracking out the hose and firing <laughs> it at everything. At least you're going to put some fires out if you do that. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, the arsenal of the town apparently has been blown up as well, so what happens then is it sends the guests... Once this has been blown up, we've missed the, uh, the sword fighting men, but we'll come back to those later on, the dueling pirates. We but will. The uh, arsenal of the tower is blown up and it sends the guests into David Jones's locker. Now, again, when I've been on the ride many, many times, actually, attraction, I should say, when I've been in the attraction yeah, many, it, many times. Get it right, I've, get it right. Oh, I will. I, one of these days. I've never actually realised that A, it's an arsenal, or had the thought that. You are being killed and sent to Davy Jones's locker. So even then, even though I was reading it, going to uh, being sent to Davy Jones's locker again, I've never put together the, even just then reading it. Then I thought, oh, I've been killed here, and I'm going underneath the sea. 
You know what? It makes sense now it, that I think of it. it does but not, now I've just said those words, it does make sense. And again, I don't, I've I, never thought of it. I've always just sort of thought all oh, the you know the place is burning down, and you know we're leaving it and going into some going, cave somewhere yeah, because somewhere that else. makes perfect sense as well. But it does. it's but, not quite as dramatic, actually, is it? As a a large explosion and going to the pirate afterlife. And again, it links in with the franchise and the films because obviously Davy Jones is part of it. And on the original, well, on the story, the myth and legend of Davy Jones, that is where the dead pirates end up, kind of, basically, isn't it? It's like the underlife for pirates mm. underneath the sea. So it does make perfect sense. Why didn't we think of that before? Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Are we going to have this every time we look at an attraction? We're suddenly going to find new interpretations. Yeah, if, no, right. if nobody else is enjoying these podcasts, at least next time we go on these attractions, we're going to have learned so much that we'll, be, we'll love it next time, even more oh, than we do already. This is great. There'll be people sitting next to us, probably won't speak a word of English, but they'll be listening to us, and we'll be going, well, wait a minute, we're in David Jones's locker, we've just been killed. <laughs> narrating the whole thing. Oh, I like that. Um, I'm sure Jeff from uh, DLP Town Square, who's... Uh, Apparently very good at French. I'm sure if he takes some of these, he probably knows most of this information already, but he could uh, narrate it in French for people as well. So oh, that's good. If we ever meet up, I can do the English version and he can do the French version. <laughs> Team effort. So we're in David Jones's locker. What is happening now? Well, so we're in these lovely caves, just like we've got in the Adventure Isle. Uh, and we're heading around and there's a lot of skeletons and there's the buried treasure. There's uh, Dead Man's Cove and Hurricane Lagoon. A haunted realm recalls the struggles which pirates endured from the open seas. Poetic. Is what the notes say here, and that <laughs> sounds quite fancy. It does. Right, there's an Imagineer in From Sketch to Reality who talks about the uh, the treasure scene in the Pirates of the Caribbean. He says it contains 30,000 like little things, it says, uh, because all of the treasure, it, even though it probably will have some kind of scaffolding to hold it up, it, apparently it's got 30,000 individual pieces of treasure just in that one scene alone. Oh, that's dedication. I would love to be the person whose job it was to go out and find gold doubloons. <laughs> oh, there's one over here. Oh, I found another one. <laughs> it would be easier to find a chest full. I wasn't meaning going and uh, going to all the different marketplaces and just picking up tiny little coins every now and then. <laughs> I should think they probably made them, to be honest. Well, yeah, because... I like, I like the thought that maybe they were just... Scrabbling around the Caribbean trying to find genuine artifacts for this. <laughs> I wouldn't expect. I would expect nothing else from the, uh, the Imagineers than to be authentic. It needs to be authentic. If it isn't, then uh, frankly, we've been uh, short. We've been duped, aren't we? This is we, crazy. We definitely are. So we'll head back to the grotto at the end of the ride. Davy Jones's locker, the skeletons, the treasure, and then finally you end up coming back into the station, and there's a talking skull. Of all the things you'll find in the in the attraction. It's a talking skull. I know. I believe mostly it's just telling you not to stand up and try and escape the ride too early. But nonetheless, it's a nice touch. And it's always creeped me out because they've actually done quite a good job of getting the jaw to move in time with the speaking, which is slightly creepy. <laughs> Again, Cafe Fantasia, on one of his, well, the three facts that he sent us, we've already mentioned the first two. The last bit says, and did you know the message or moral of Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland Paris is crime doesn't pay? So this is the treasure room scene at the end. Uh, and the, part, the, the skeleton we're just talking about when he's sitting across the top of the golden coins and the jewels. Tony Baxter said, what good is all the treasure 
if you're so frivolous and careless, you can't spend it if you're dead. Ah, ah, I had no idea of that either. Oh, wow, a moral to an attraction. I love it. What a great idea. It's basically saying, after all of this effort, I've ended up dead and I can't spend it anywhere. Yeah, look at that. You've gone out, you've pillaged a city, got all the gold, but you're dead, yeah. Wow. So every every criminal should be forced to ride the Disneyland Paris Pirates of the Caribbean because they will learn that crime does not pay. Crime doesn't pay. If this podcast can have a subtitle, it's going to have like a little, uh, especially for criminals. <laughs> oh, that's a good selling point. Just so we can we can reach out and improve the lives of the innocent people because they won't be robbed anymore. Mm, this is community service. This is we are helping society. <laughs> I always feel like we get more out of our podcasts when we talk about what real listeners are talking about, over than now we're babbling on about our opinions. Because I know like, with Phantom Manor as well and with Space Mountain, we miss out so many different elements because this is not just a be-all and end-all of the attraction. It's just our interpretation and what we can remember at the time. So what I would like to do now, because a lot of the stuff we want to discuss on today's show comes under uh, what the listeners have been sending in to us. So I'm going to I'm going to rush right through the rest of our script, if that's the word. Uh, <laughs> script, the, yeah. Should, mm, definitely a script. <laughs> I'm going to go straight into the opinions now. Twitter had lots of different discussions going on. I can't read them all out, so I'm going to pick out um, one for you. This one's from Cafe Fantasia. We've already mentioned him about 10 or 12 times. Now, this one's actually quite negative. Uh, He did go on in our private discussion, talk about all the good things that he loved about the attraction. Um, We've mentioned quite a lot of those already. Uh, He goes on to say the last time that he rode the attraction, Pirates of the Caribbean, he was so distracted by a lady in front of him taking flash photos with her iPhone that he didn't actually enjoy the ride. Now, this isn't a bad point for the ride itself. This is more about the uh, the guests um, who are coming in. Obviously, and again, I I can't really fault the lady for doing this. She wants to take pictures because she wants to remember the ride and because it's so amazing, the different scenery and stuff like that. But it's one of those, that's quite a selfish act, really, because especially in an attraction where it's a dark attraction, you don't want the flash bouncing off all the different scenes, lighting up the scenery, because you'll see bits that are supposed to be hidden. So I can kind of sympathise with Cafe Fantasia there, I think, saying, look, that ride, that, if, if she's taking pictures in every single scene, then that is really ruining his, his attraction journey, isn't it? Oh, I sympathise with Cafe Fantasia completely. It really annoys me when people do that. Or say I've been. I was sat in uh, the uh, West End Theatre watching. I think it was The Lion King, and someone in front of me was sat there. And throughout the whole thing, they were holding up their phone, recording the damn thing. Oh just, no! Oh, that annoyed me. I would have got my phone out, I'd put the torch on, and I would have held it above their head, maybe shine it <laughs> into their camera every now and then just to spoil their video. Oh, that's a clever idea. I should have <laughs> thought of that. Or just chuck sweets at the back of the head. <laughs> but we don't. Ooh, a fudge. We, we don't advocate violence. No, um, unless they're taking flash photography in one of our favourite rides, in which case, just go for it. Just, yeah. <laughs> but remember, crime doesn't pay. Crime doesn't pay, not at all, as a skeleton will tell you at the end. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't use those words, that's the message he's trying to give out. Um, so that was it for Twitter, really. We had still loads of discussion, and if you want to talk to us on Twitter, you know where we are. It's at MagicalDLP. I'm going to go straight on to the emails now. We are indeed. Uh, and on the script, there's a usual section that says the future, and then says Simon West focus in highlighted words so that I understand that I should probably prepare to say something there. <laughs> the only thing that's really been rumoured to be happening with the attraction is that we'd get an introduction of 
characters from the Pirates of the Caribbean films. So Jack Sparrow, Orlando Bloom's character, I can't remember his name. I feel oh. really bad about that now. Barbosa? Um, Barbosa? Barbosa. He's one of them, yeah. Yeah, he's there. I haven't watched the films in a while, I'll be honest. I prefer the ride. Anyway, all the other attractions across the world, they all have these film characters in. They've all been updated with them. So you head around the attraction and you'll see Jack Sparrow besieging a fort. You'll see Jack Sparrow being one of the sword fighters. Um, And, of course, the Parisian version is the only one that hasn't seen those animatronic characters uh, being put in. And... We could discuss that, but we've got a lot of discussion from people sending in uh, emails, uh, Facebook, etc., with their own opinions on that, so we'll go through those now. First one we've got here is from Andy Jackson, and I'll quickly paraphrase what he said. He's been to the Florida version, and he thought that actually the Jack Sparrow animatronic character was really good. He said that he thought the movements were absolutely incredible and the best that he'd ever seen on a human-style figure and really caught the feel of Captain Jack perfectly, which I suppose is similar to when you were saying earlier about the sword-fighting pirates in Paris, how they were so state-of-the-art when they came out. Addy is making quite a good point here that actually, you know, a new animatronic, such as one for Captain Jack, would have, you know, this fantastic what we'd now be state-of-the-art animatronics. And so he's saying actually it's quite a good idea. However, he goes on to say that actually he does still feel that the Disneyland Paris version is overall much better. Which, as we've said earlier, you know, you've got the scenes, the story going in the right places. Obviously, it's the fourth one that they made, so they they had time to perfect it. Uh, And as we said earlier, yeah, definitely they've improved it, shall we say, every time that they've done it. Going back to this idea of having Captain Jack or not, though, he does still feel that actually... We don't necessarily need Captain Jack. We've we both said that we love the story, and he definitely agrees. Um, but says, actually, maybe it would be okay to add him because it would bring in more paying customers, which is necessary to Paris with their current financial situation. Yep. And I've got to say, I think I agree with that, actually. I, I said earlier that I would like to think that they're nice and distinct, the attraction and the film... But you know what? It doesn't damage the attraction that much. And if it does make Paris a profitable place by bringing more people in, then is it a necessary evil? I agree with you there, Simon. But what I'm, when it's talking about bringing in more paying customers, now, I don't feel maybe with a frozen attraction, if ever anything ever did happen with a frozen attraction in Disneyland Paris, and the Ratatouille as well being like a brand new ride, I don't feel that adding couple of animatronics to an existing attraction would bring in anybody else paying more money now if 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 the attractions now i don't want them to do this but um obviously a long time ago well well before disneyland paris i know they used to have the different uh grade of attractions in they had a b c d e ticket attractions and they used Mm -hmm. to pay so much for certain books now if if you had to pay for individual attractions then I could see that that would bring in more money if you were to improve it with another animatronic figure from a, a franchise. But I don't feel that adding it would improve the uh, how many paying customers come through the gates. What do you think? Well, yeah, actually, that's you know, it's a very fair point. If they could market parts of the Caribbean as being intertwined with the films, which are I would say still very popular at the minute, then maybe it would still get people in, but you are right, it wouldn't have anywhere near as much an effect as uh, if there was a 
whole attraction dedicated to well the big one at the minute is as you said frozen i think you're dead right that would be that would be the bigger selling point it would and um obviously star wars star wars yeah which is coming very soon having jack sparrow in like three or four different scenes throughout the attraction now i know it's telling a story and it's progressing and it isn't just all meant to happen at the exact same time but i would think it was because you want to you're trying to make it as real life as possible having him appear all over the different places I don't know, it kind of spoils it for me. Because I know, even though I know they've used similar models and the same heads and the same faces on lots of different characters and animatronics, they all seem like different people in the attraction. So you'd, it, I never, unless unless I was to look into it in more detail, I don't think I would ever notice a duplicate of an animatronic throughout the attraction. I think I like it being individual throughout each scene. That's so, very true. So having Mind Jack, you, go on. we were talking earlier about how the story potentially does include going back in time when you go up the cargo lift and perhaps dying when you go down the uh, second drop so maybe jumping around time isn't too much of a problem that's true a lot of people though as we weren't aware of the story before we'd started looking into this podcast there'd be a lot of people that if they don't get the time aspect of going into back in time and forward into time they're not going to link that together. So, And again, maybe they won't even think, well, I've seen him ten times. Maybe they want to see Jack Sparrow every single scene. Um, again, if they're not dedicated fans of the park and the attraction, and maybe that wouldn't harm their overall experience of the attraction. But um, as I've said in a couple of tweets recently, especially when I was in discussion with Cafe Fantasia, I said I wouldn't be able to decide what my final opinion on whether we go with um, Jack Sparrow or whether we don't. And I still can't make my mind up. Part of me is thinking, it, like I say, it's going to be a new animatronic style. It's going to be latest technology. Uh, I do like the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Definitely the first three anyway. Uh, I can't remember what happened in the fourth film. That um, was rubbish. And if they are bringing it in, there is there's rumours, and I think it's in the planning stages anywhere, that Pirates of the Caribbean 5 is coming out in the next year or two. So whether, It probably is. Whether or not they kind of link that in with a new film in the franchise and that would probably if it's going to happen it has to happen when it has to tie in with that or else it's not going to benefit anybody I don't feel that's a very good point and that takes us nicely on to uh, our next listener opinion which is from Matt Bateman uh, who believes that you can improve Pirates of the Caribbean by having all of the effects working at the same time all in block capital letters and he's (laughs) dead right there it'd be great to see everything working at once but mind you as we've said earlier with the sheer amount of things that are going on there i wouldn't want the job of trying to maintain that no and i I always feel i'm still i'm one of the people that sits like on uh, phantom manor um, why is why aren't the heads working on the back of the doom buggies? And which they are now, actually yeah, thinking about it. Because of our podcast, I feel they must have focused <laughs> on that and they've got it. They've got it sorted out for us. Um, so we did say that anything you want us to get sorted out in Pirates of the Caribbean to let us know. Uh, we've got the dueling pirates. We've got the swinging pirate. Anything else we need to be fixed? Um, not nothing major that I can think of from my last visit, anyway. But yeah. That's all these little moving parts and big moving parts, and they've got the hydraulics, and they've got all the audio to go with that, and obviously they need to be oiled. Um, so I, 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 even though I am still wanting everything to work all of the time, I know it's not feasible, it's not practical to do that, unless they're going to be spending hundreds of thousands every single year on replacing all the parts. Which, um, realistically, Disneyland Paris doesn't quite have. They definitely can't. So for it to be worth... I've, 
Obviously, it's still not good for paying guests when they're going there and maybe, even if it's the first time on the attraction, and they see, like, a sheet over one of the animatronics. It just doesn't look good. Um, so if they're thinking about wanting to make the guest experience better, which is what they, uh, the focus is at the moment in Disneyland Paris, then they definitely need to think about how they're going to uh, treat that when something goes wrong. Um, so even if, I don't know, removing something, again, it can't be easy to remove an animatronic from the scene. But even if, I don't know, if it was not moving, would that be worse than it being covered up? Or would that be worse than it being there and kind of looking a bit funny? I don't know. What, what I do suppose you think? it probably depends on whether what position the animatronic is stuck in. If he's stuck <laughs> in having his arms reaching out for something, then, okay, maybe it'll look a bit weird. If he's stuck in a fairly neutral position, then maybe you could just pass it as, oh, the pirate's standing still. <laughs> Who knows? Again, um, go on. Going back to our debate that we were having earlier, though, about Captain Jack again, Matt does continue. He says, I think that the moment to add Captain Jack has now passed. There will be more Pirates of the Caribbean films, but their popularity won't be as strong, of course, because we've already had the main trilogy and the uh, we seem to be just getting weird spin-offs now. So that's why I, I, I think agree. he's yeah, sort of right, actually, in yeah, fairness. And I... if you combine that with what you said with, you know, actually adding an animatronic probably doesn't give you that much marketing power to draw people in. Well, yeah, actually, maybe Paris has somehow managed to survive, so to speak, the films and should just remain in its original state. Yeah, I think more, more and more I go through this now, I think I'm definitely going to be on the side that says I do not want them in the, in the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction in Paris. I I'm already on that side, I, I should think, probably say. Yeah, I think I am now. Again, I like, as we, as you know already, I like to improve things all the time, as long as it doesn't affect the overall story and doesn't change it completely. Um, as long as it's improving it for the better. And again, if, if they could prove to me that adding Captain Jack Sparrow would improve it for the better, then maybe I could always, my mind could be changed. But just thinking about listening to people's opinions like Matt and like, um, what was his name? Sorry about this. Andy. I uh, should know that name, actually. One of, the, one of the best names I've heard all year. <laughs> um, if, like they've both said, he liked it, in the, in, and he liked it in Florida, but then the DLP version is a lot better overall, in a lot of people's opinions, so do they need to include that? Uh, moving on to another email uh, from DLP Roundup, or DLRP Roundup. Um, he sent us, well, we, we discussed essays recently on Twitter. He sent us a really long essay email. This um, is this is fascinating, actually. It's really it good. Now, DLRP Roundup, if you don't know, is uh, the fan community's statistician, and Graham does a brilliant job of it. He does. So, so I'm not missing anything out. I'm going to read it word for word, and I'm not going to paraphrase like you do. Oh, I think um, you should. Because it's so interesting that uh, it needs to be said. Um, so it goes on. There's three main sections. Um, the first one is, when should I avoid Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, it says, avoid the first thing in the morning, especially near the end of extra magic hours. People like Pirates as a headline attraction. However, first thing in the morning, it's usually poorly staffed or just starting up. Due to this, queues balloon for the first hour or two to some of the highest of the day. Late afternoon and late night can also be pretty large waits. Afternoon is unavoidable at its peak time for the parks. Late at night is compounded by most of Fantasyland closing. It pushes people further out to the rides, such as Pirates, and spikes the weights. So obviously, Pirates of the Caribbean is located right at the back of the park. 
Um, so one of the what he's saying there is that as people are moving through the park and when Fantasyland is closing, people are kind of pushed out to rides on the edge, such as Parks of the Caribbean. Um, so when's the ideal time to ride the attraction? It says the best time to ride Pirates is between half past nine in the morning and 12 noon for the lowest wait times. Early evening from five onwards can also be a good time to ride with the parks quieter in the rear end due to the parade, dinner reservations and a lower crowd level before Disney Dreams. So again, he's used his stats that he collects from Disneyland Paris um, and he's got such a great website, uh, as Simon just mentioned, statistician. He's got all the wait times live every day. Um, it works on a mobile as well, and I couldn't test it out as well as I wanted to last time because my signal wasn't very good, but I've now changed mobile phone provider. I might as well advertise on with free, and they are providing me <laughs> with free calls, texts, and data in France. So in my really? time, yeah, yeah, all, oh, all, wow. all, all as part of the package. So I'm going to hopefully, if I get a good enough signal, I'm going to try it out. I'll be using uh, DLRP Roundup's wait times for all of the uh, visit while I'm there. So looking at the stats for Pirates of the Caribbean, it says Pirates has a large capacity when running at full, which we discussed before, allowing Disneyland Paris to keep the wait times for the ride short. Its yearly average wait time is just 13 minutes. Now, I don't know about you, 13 minutes, it probably wasn't even that long once you've walked around the queue area like you mentioned before. But even if, if it was 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I would still queue for Pirates of the Caribbean at that time. So, it, so I no, think so. I'll be perfectly honest. Last time I went, it was, uh, when would it have been? Uh, early July, late June time of year. Yeah. And I didn't queue once for the ride. I went on it at least once every day, and I never queued at all. Just walked on every time. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, so to me, actually, 13 minutes sounds quite long, but maybe that's just because I went at a fairly quiet time of year but definitely uh, as mentioned earlier early morning is is pretty much a time to avoid yeah it's peak time at 12 till 3 the average wait is about 28 minutes now i wouldn't queue 28 minutes no uh, but what i was saying was again like you simon every time i go it's always around four or five minutes and again you just walk right through because by the time you've got from the start of the queue to the uh, the boarding and the platform the queue is basically only like one or two minutes. Um, yeah, you but, do see uh, sometimes when you look at the wait times, you do see it sort of spike up to 50, maybe even an hour sometimes. But I'll be perfectly honest, I've never actually been there to see that. <laughs> it says Paris is quieter in the colder seasons, likely due to the connotation with water and the fact that it is up in the corner of the park. So Now, this really got me thinking because I've never heard that before, but that's fascinating if that's true. Quieter in the colder seasons. It's very interesting. And again, he's got the stats to prove it. So yeah, it absolutely. I must say, when I because I've been well, apart from when I visited in May this year, um, I normally go in March every single year, and it is a low season. And once you get to well, even an hour, two hours before closing, it's practically nearly every ride's walk on. Uh, because apart from Big Thunder Mountain. Well, yeah. <laughs> and probably Crush Coaster as well, because I still haven't managed to do that one. And um, Ratatouille at the minute as well. Well, uh, yeah, that would probably be the case as well. Um, but I always managed to get Space Mountain. You could run around that oh, yeah. four or five times in the evening. And you've got um, Tower of Terror as well. Still a bit of a, not a walk on as such, but the queue's so short. Moving on to another email. We've got loads of them. We're going to keep you here for hours. Are you wanting to look at the one from NIDLP Geek? Yeah, I'd have to. Again, we've got a lovely novel of an email here. 
but I really like it, so I'm going to read it all out. So it says, Pirates of the Caribbean is one of the finest examples of true and pure imagineering Disneyland Paris has to offer, which only Phantom Manor tops, in my opinion. From the moment you walk through the grand sail at the entrance, you are transported into the golden age of piracy in a queue line that could be regarded as a walkthrough attraction in its own right. Moving onwards and to the actual boat ride, I'm sure that there isn't much that hasn't already been mentioned on the show. It's a literal treasure chest of theming, music, great animatronics and general atmosphere to take you into the heart of the Caribbean in the midst of an attack on Port Royal. I especially love the finale in the caves that is a look into the future of the pirate's inevitable fate. Keep an eye out too for the Disneyland Railway if you're lucky enough to see it roll by. He knew it was the future. He knew it was the future. That's it, yeah. See, I hadn't, I hadn't I tweaked that before. So well done, Luke. We mentioned before as well that the idea of the attraction being a walkthrough, and uh, Luke says the queue in itself is like a walkthrough. It I is. I think it's pretty accurate there. Again, one of the most beautiful, well, can't say beautiful, okay, it's, a pir- it's pirates, but um, one of the most beautifully themed, imagineered queues that there is in Disneyland Paris. Oh, I think absolutely. It's one of the best ones to be in as well. I mean, you don't have too much the sort of queuing up and down, up and down, up and down in one room. You walk through the fort and then, of course, you end up coming out over the bridge, over the station and coming round and down inside that fantastic lagoon scene. It's a fantastic queue. So, yeah, I don't want to say I would love to queue in that queue because I don't want the, the uh, wait times to go shooting up. But um, <laughs> if the if I was in the uh, in the queue system for Pirates of the Caribbean and it was a longer queue than normal, then, again, it's kind of doing me a favour as long as it's only a one-off because you'd get to then see and that, like the music that's there, like the really dimly lit corridors and just all... Again, there's, there's not lots and lots and lots of stuff, but it's just everything added together just makes the queue such a magical place to be. Definitely. So the other thing to uh, take from this is uh, Luke reminds us that, of course, the Disneyland Railway goes through the cave scene at the end. And I've never been on the ride and seen it go past, but definitely when you're on the Disneyland Railway, you uh, you get a fantastic look over the, uh, well, the boats going round and all inside the cave scene. And so we'll continue on with uh, Luke's essay. Looking towards the future of this gem of an attraction, my hopes and thoughts are very similar to that of its haunted cousin. It must be preserved. As much as I'm a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Jack Sparrow has no place in the attraction, in my opinion, and I feel the two should be seen as entirely different entities. Additionally, I feel the 3D productions, such as the ones in Ratatouille, are not up to scratch to replace physical props. This being so means that any effect getting axed in favour of the new technology would only leave me disappointed and greatly devalue the entire attraction. I would like to see, from future refurbishments or upgrades to Pirates of the Caribbean, is a rebirth of some of the older effects. It's come to my attention recently that the attraction's final drop was once populated with all manner of effects such as light, smoke and even heat. This is something I would love to see return, not only... Does it sound like a fantastically immersive segment of the attraction's finale? It's also something that would be new to most fans as the effect didn't make it past the resort's early years. I didn't know that. That's new to me. The idea of having all the heat and everything, it sounds fantastic. I think that would really, really add something to that that final drop. I mean, maybe, you know, that's the thing. We said we didn't get the notion of dying in that drop. So actually, maybe you need sort of a few more immersive elements to coax people's brains to think in a certain way that, ooh, 
maybe I've just blown up. <laughs> that is true. He also mentions um, he doesn't want to see uh, 3D projections uh, in like, such as the ones in Ratatouille in the ride. Now I don't know if he means like 3D mapping or actual 3D where you have to wear 3D glasses. If it's the yeah, 3D... I don't think. Well, certainly I don't particularly know of any real projection mapping that goes on in. Uh, Ratatouille, but mind you, I've not been on it and I've been avoiding finding out too much about it. Uh, so I would assume what he's talking about here is 3D projections, as in you put glasses on, you see things in 3D. Yeah, that's what I feel. Because, like, obviously, I totally agree with him there, but then on the other side, if we're talking about um, like video mapping, which you've mentioned probably three or four times now over the. Uh, the last few podcasts. I love projection mapping. And again, we must we should sponsor a 3D uh, projection mapping company because I think we should. Or We're good should, at it. Or they should sponsor us to say their name because if, if there's any companies out there that want to sponsor us for 3D projection projection mapping, then give us a call. Um, or but, Walt Disney Imagineering for oh, that matter. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. would be a good one. That would be good. But I, I feel obviously to add more depth to the scenes obviously there's depth to all the scenes anyway because of the great scenery the buildings that are up there but if there's any way of adding even more depth I feel that's where I would be happy if they add more technology yeah Um, I think I mean things like you know you've got the burning city uh, scene that I'm sure could be enhanced by some uh, bits of fire being added on by projection you know it's it's a dark ride projections work in the dark I can't yeah, imagine why it wouldn't work. If, if, it's project, if it's projection mapped, then obviously it doesn't matter where you're looking because it's going to be projected onto a like hard surface. So you don't. Yeah, have it's, to... it's not like they've just put up some random massive 2D screen and are projecting an yeah. image on. You know, projection mapping can really can really fit with the environment. It can just add that extra little pièce de résistance, Ooh. as I'm sure the French would say. Uh, so, like in Disney Dreams, when we've got um, the uh, Hunchback. When he's swinging off the towers, I love that. Even though I, I'm not really a big fan of that film, I really love that part of Disney Dreams where he's swinging around, singing his song on the uh, Disneyland Paris castle. Yeah, mind um, you, now that you mention it, actually, I wouldn't want to see a projected pirate. No. I'd much rather have the animatronics. However, saying that, though, you reminded me of Disney Dreams. One of my favourite scenes in that is uh, the Hakuna Matata scene yeah. where they have, it looks like a, the whole castle has turned into a waterfall I love that effect. That's my favourite part of the whole show. And I'd love to see something like that being used in Pirates of the Caribbean. They've got lots of waterfalls everywhere. You know, maybe you could enhance that with projection mapping. So I think that's where we come in. We don't, I definitely agree no characters should be projection mapped onto anything at all. Even the faces like we've got with the Grim Grim Ghosts in uh, Phantom Manor. That's kind of very similar, isn't it? Where you've got the kind of the faces on the actual bust but then it, the movement's projected it's onto it. projected, yeah. Um, so I, I would never want to see that because it kind of does take away the legendary, the legendary part of the attraction parts of the Caribbean. But just to, like you were saying before about having, when it's a fire, having bits of flames kind of like could jump, like moving down the building or... Yeah. Um, like bits of the building falling off would projection map. That would be, that would add a really good effect and it would... It would enhance the story, and it wouldn't take anything away from the story, in my opinion. Definitely. Big Thunder Mountain uh, had a refurbishment in, I think it was Florida, fairly recently. It was probably within the last couple of years. And in the third chain lift scene in that, where you've got, uh, I think in ours it's an earthquake, but in theirs it was a TNT blowing up. Uh, you saw sparks flying across all the uh, walls of the cave as all the TNT was going off. 
and it you know it looks pretty spectacular and i'm sure you could add in just it's just tiny little things like that but it would just add that extra bit of disney magic i think so yeah again we've mentioned this loads of times imagineers give us a call as well we we've got some ideas for you on that one <laughs> so that was it from the emails scooting down the page we've got some more facebook mentions michael lambert from the disney village group which has just started it's a closed group on facebook but if anyone's friends with us on facebook I'm sure we'll accept you into the group. So it's Michael Lambert from the Disney Village Group. He says, In my opinion, Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland Paris is the best one out of all of the parks. Hooray! Yeah, hey. I can't quite put my finger on what makes it so much better, but it just is. Like all of the pirate rides, though, I love queuing up for it. Again, you wouldn't say that for much for many of the attractions in the world. And Um, I don't think you'd say that for really any park that isn't a Disney park, quite frankly. That is true. The queue line just reminds me of walking through the set from the Goonies. Ooh. And I hope also that listening to this, he might be able to put his finger on what makes it so much better. Because we uh, we discussed that a little bit earlier. Yeah. And I think, actually, in terms of the, the way that they've told the story, I think I've worked out what it is. I think it's that. So it's the way they tell the story that makes it better for you. For me, yeah. Might not be for anyone else. It's all interpretation. <laughs> so again, it makes it, it, the reason it's best for me is because it's the only one I've been on. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Missy Ravenswood um, commented on the, our actual Magical DLP Facebook page, which needs a few more likes. So if you're on Facebook and you don't like us yet, click that big thumbs up. Um, she said, my second favourite ride after Phantom Manor. So much like... NIDLP geek. It is, and I would hope, to be honest, I would hope it was her second favourite ride because her name is Missy Ravenswood. Missy Ravenswood, yes. So if she that's that's like, a very good point. If uh, Phantom Manor wasn't her favourite ride, then she needs to change her name. Anyway, she said, <laughs> what I would like to see is an improvement in the audio animatronics. Uh, they could use some TLC. So I don't think she means completely improve how they use the animatronics, um, but I think she just wants them, like we were mentioned before, to be looked after a little bit better and yeah, so it's it's not a change. It's just you know, I suppose an update, yeah. so to speak. You know, making sure it's it's got that modern technology that all the animatronics, you know, that their jaws move at the right time, that they have nice fluid arm movements when they're swinging around their swords, etc. That's that's yeah. I think a bit of TLC like that is uh, is vital. So like we say, we only see what is kind of on stage in the attraction. So if they change. What, how the animatronic works or what they use in the animatronic. I don't think we can argue with that. I know some fans or some hardcore fans will be, I don't want to change any of it at all, but I want it to work. And I think you can't really win that argument. You kind of, if you want it to work completely, you need to move with the times. Obviously, the old audio animatronics, the technology will be getting old now and it will need replacing. So I feel, why don't we just replace it with newer parts, newer technology that may, maybe, maybe just gives the exact same effect it might be more reliable, so it might be better to improve it than leave I it. I think so. Is. And then you've you've got to think, you know, if, if there are some great theme parks in the world. You know, there are some great theme parks that use some fantastic technology. You know, if if you're coming to Disneyland Paris for the first time and you go on Pipes of the Caribbean, you know, one of these fantastic uh, old e e ticket attractions that used to be around in California in the days of Walt Disney, etc., etc., then you expect it to be of a fantastic standard. And if the animatronics are old and creaky and they're not as good as animatronics and other theme parks you're not going to come back to Disneyland Paris and well frankly Disneyland Paris needs the return custom because it needs the bloody money <laughs> so I think it's definitely a no-brainer that they need to be looking at those um, definitely. Go- and I think actually that is what we haven't mentioned so far is that is what 
Disneyland Paris has said that they want to be doing, particularly in the Disneyland Park, uh, up to this 25th anniversary that we have in 2017. So, I, I, I mean, we're assuming that we're going to see Space Mountain, uh, maybe Nautilus, uh, having some TLC happening to them, maybe Phantom Manor in 2017, maybe Pirates of the Caribbean will be one as well. Yeah, and again, it's what we need, and it's what's needed in the parks. The only downside to all of this is that regular guests, and I put the air quotation marks in there, regular guests want to see something new. So if, if you're looking and you're not a fan of Disneyland Paris, but you know it's there, or if you've been before once or twice, you're kind of looking out and thinking, well, what are they doing to make me go back? And I don't feel, unless they, well, and there's not many major plans to bring in any major new attractions um, at the moment that we know of. So, Which is a shame. And if they're doing a lot of this stuff that the fans know about, and they're, they're, they're giving TLC and they're replacing lots of parts and the rides have been closed for refurbishments, but if people can't see anything on the actual face of it and there's nothing you can put in the brochure or the website then again it's not it might if people are visiting it'll bring people back but i don't think it'll attract any newer guests no i don't think so i mean personally i think the biggest problem that paris has with trying to get people to come back is things like you know i wouldn't expect an attraction to change too much and i mean if you do an attraction right you don't need to change it for a long time what Paris lacks, and I don't mean to digress here away from Pirates of the Caribbean, but what Paris is lacking at the minute is some shows. You know, loads of you know, other theme parks in Europe have big, fancy shows, and they change often. Yeah. You know, Europe supposedly invented the theatre with the ancient Greeks, and yet in Disneyland Paris, at the minute, we have effectively no live shows. The Chaparral Theatre is getting a refurbishment, but nothing's going on there. Nothing's happened at Videopolis for years. The Fantasyland stage, nothing's happening at. If, you know, I think if you want to make people want to come back to the theme park, you need to have some live shows that are going to be changing over time. That is true, and a bit of a spoiler, that would link very well in our next episode, but listen out for what that is. Ha-ha. Um, the last thing uh, Missy at Ravenswood says is, yes, uh, wait a minute, no. What I definitely don't want to see is the addition of Captain Jack Sparrow. So I feel, I think um, from the voting of just our emails and ourselves, I think it's definitely uh, a no to Captain Jack Sparrow from our end anyway. Yeah, it's not so, unanimous, mind no, you, you no. but it's uh, it's fairly conclusive that I think most of our listeners definitely don't want it, and you and I don't really don't want, want it. it. No. She says, yes, I love Johnny Depp. Yes, I love the movies, but they should keep the ride as it was originally designed. Looking forward to the podcast. I really enjoyed listening to the last one. Yes. <laughs> um, Happy with that. We are we're getting close to the end. Um, before we uh, go to the iTunes reviews, is there anything else we've missed? Anything else we need to mention? Well, I keep a little scrap of paper with me that I jot down any notes on anything else that uh, needs to be mentioned, and I've not got anything else. How organised are you? I'm, I'm supposed to be the main host, I think, and I haven't got any bits of paper. <laughs> I, bet, I better go back to the drawing board and uh, do better for next time I think <laughs> because it's the start of the Christmas holidays today as we're recording it and obviously as being a school teacher my brain has went from being in 100% gear mode to about 10% so I'm just about coasting along and I won't be engaging the gears until we start back in January so apologies if we've made any big errors oh actually that does oh. remind me big errors oh. um I think I, I know. To, I think I know what you're going to say. Go on. I need to make an apology for to all the listeners from the last podcast. I said that Phantom Manor used the Omnimover ride system, and that the Omnimover ride system had been discontinued. 
I have now been corrected on two fronts, and that was from Cafe Fantasia and also from our earlier listener, Andy Jackson, who reminded me that actually it's not been discontinued because the Little Mermaid attraction at California and Florida, which uh, I think the last one of those was built in 2012 or so, does indeed use the Omnimover ride system. So there (laughs) there we are. I was very wrong. That's fine, and as long as we are open to uh, suggestions and constructive criticism, we're happy to uh, tell you when we are wrong. But yeah, if, you, if we do make any mistakes, let us let us let, know. let us know because obviously we want people to be informed by our podcast, even though it is just our opinions and it's just about what we love about Paris and what we hate about Paris. If we hate, probably a bad word, but there's obviously things we would like to improve. Love but, slightly less, maybe. <laughs> yeah, love slightly less than we love, but yeah. Um, <laughs> if it's anything at all, just contact us. But if you want to pass your wrist, Simon, you hear that? That's, yep. your, that's your wrist being slapped. <laughs> but I'm sure I've made plenty of mistakes as well. iTunes, we had one iTunes review a few weeks ago, and that was on the Irish version of iTunes. Uh, we've now officially got another five-star rating review on the Great Britain iTunes. Woo. Yeah, let's see how many countries we can get into. Yeah, well... The only thing is, though, if we do that, we need to change our default language or default store on iTunes to check them all. So I'll give you that task for next time. Uh, we can start doing it in loads of different languages. <laughs> we'll just shove it into Google Translate, what we say, and then we'll repeat it in, like, Czech and Scandinavian, and then we can do one in Arabic or something. No, this would be great. Actually, um, on that in a different language uh, note... Uh, I was. I've got. A, I get an email sent every week um, from my uh, hosting company, who uh, host the podcast and host the website and stuff like that. And on their report, there's a German podcast website. Um, the the uh, address has kind of escaped my uh, mind at the moment, but we're getting about 500 hits. I'm not sure if it was the week or the month, but we've been getting 500 to 600 hits from a German podcast website. Really? Yeah, so we are travelling the world, Simon. Wow, that's exciting. Um, right, five-star review from Pevere. Um, you've mentioned him before, and I think it's the same person. If it is, give us a tweet to let us know we're correct. Um, it's so nice to have another Disneyland Paris podcast. In my opinion, there are simply not enough of them in the world. More than that, it's great to have another Disneyland Paris podcast with such great content and hosts who clearly love the place. I'm really enjoying the format of this podcast too. It brightens up my commute. Give it a listen. Oh, Yes. I do check, and this probably is quite sad of me, but I do check the iTunes store at least once a day. Um, <laughs> and You're not supposed to admit this, Andrew. I know, but I don't know how many people are listening. It's getting more and more every time we put a podcast on there, but I'm happy to share this. And um, I do get a little tear in my eye every day when there is no reviews but then Pevy a couple of days ago posted this wonderful review and I should have seen the smile on my face brilliant it well made, I'm made my week I'm happy that people are listening and enjoying it because I'm enjoying making them that's the thing as long as we enjoy it and people are enjoying listening we're on to a winner so all it leaves us to do now actually is uh, wrap it all up yeah, after digressing quite a lot from Pirates of the Caribbean near the end. We, we, we were doing so well near the start. We spent a long time discussing the scenes, but nonetheless, at least we were on topic. At least we were on topic. Um, again, if you've got anything you'd like to mention from what we've discussed in today's episode, whether we've got it correct, whether we've got it wrong, whether your opinion's changed, uh, after listening to our podcast, then get in touch. 
Uh, you can email us, podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can also visit our website, magicaldlp.co.uk. Now, in the next few days, possibly a week, um, we'll be uploading to our website uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean quiz, where we will be testing your knowledge of the attraction from what, well, from what we've been discussing on today's podcast, really. Um, sometimes it's hard to find 10 questions. So in the Phantom Manor quiz, there was a couple of questions which were pictures. Um, one of them was a picture that says, which is the ride vehicle for Phantom Manor? And if you, if you did listen to the podcast, even if you didn't listen to the podcast, you should have been able to get that question correct because it was either the Omnimover or a boat from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but yeah, I was scraping the barrel there. So hopefully we'll have some proper questions this time. Moving on, the next focus of our Magical DLP podcast is going to be slightly different. We're going to move away from park attractions and we're going to focus our attention to Disney Village. Um, like we said at the start, in our first ever podcast episode, we don't just want to ramble on, even though we probably do that most episodes. We don't want to ramble on about lots of different things or bring you the news because there's other people out there that do a better job than us at that. So what we're, going to, we're doing is we're focusing on different aspects of the parks. So we're going to be looking now outside of the parks, Disney Village. We'll be discussing uh, the food there, the restaurants, the bars, what entertainment there is if we have any at the moment. Uh, we'll also be discussing what else is on offer in Disney Village throughout the year. So if you've got any opinions on Disney Village, where's your favourite place to eat, where's your favourite place to shop, to drink, to be entertained, email us at podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. You can also message us on Twitter, MagicalDLP, Facebook, our website, like I mentioned before. We're also on Stitcher and iTunes. So if you want to leave us a review, give us a five-star review. We can't promise anything as nice as badges, like dedicated to DLP, but we'll just give you our nice, kind words. Um, anything you want to add before we close today's episode, Simon? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything nicely there. I'm looking forward to uh, getting going on Disney Village because obviously we've only done attractions so far. Disney Village is a uh, sometimes controversial topic with the it, fan community, so it it'll is. be fantastic to uh, hear all your opinions. Uh, it doesn't matter how long they are, how short they are. If we, if you like, split your emails up into different sections, either the, the shops, the foods, the, uh, the, the, the bars, the attractions... Because there are a couple of what we would call attractions in Disney Village, so if you split it up, yeah, I suppose there's a show or two, yeah. Yeah, if you split it up into different sections, we'll put it in, uh, and we'll probably split our podcast up a little bit differently next week or uh, next week. I'm not going to do one at Christmas, are you? <laughs> <laughs> probably in the new year, we'll bring a new podcast out. Yes, um, 2015. Yeah. So thank you for joining us for episode four of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast. Until next time, au revoir. Au revoir. Thank you.